So we've now finally hit episode number 30 of Commentator's Corner and I've got a very, very good friend from within the sim racing community and also the first content creator we've actually had on the show. So a very warm welcome. Lawrence de Sosua, how are you doing, buddy? It hasn't been that long since we caught up at the Sim Racing Expo in Dortmund, hasn't it? Yeah, that's our, our yearly meeting now. Uh, yeah, it was uh, uh, not too long ago now. It feels like an eternity, like the weeks and the days just sort of uh, flock on by. But Lawrence, what I always uh, like to do as the first part of the show is if you could introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers, please. Sure. Uh, my name is Lawrence Dusaspa. I don't often say my surname, so this is uh, people ask me how I say my surname. I never say it in my videos, so this is an exclusive. <laughs> if somebody says my surname to me on the street, it's because they watch this. Um, I've been sim racing for about 25 years now, so a pretty long time. Uh, got into the content creation side of it about four years ago um, and got into the more hardcore league racing about seven years ago now. Um, I had a lot of kind of cool hardware. I started making videos about that, uh, that hardware along with track guides and stuff because at the time in the leagues that I was in, I was pretty quick. Uh, so I was kind of helping out the newer people. And that's how I discovered my love for community and sim racing is a pretty special uh, uh, community at a public level. Um, you know, every community, communities are quite similar. But there are battles between communities, but internal in a community, it's probably one of the least kind of, you know, toxic. It's one of the most uh, kind of helpful environments that you can be in and it's it's a very inclusive environment as well uh, so my my love for making the content and the videos uh very much stemmed from that over the last couple of years so uh yeah there we go lawrence in a nutshell there um but obviously you talked about the fact that you've been sim racing i can't believe you said that two and a half decades that's about the amount of time that i've actually uh, i spent in the automotive industry before going full-time in what I do now, uh, which a lot of people know me for. But how did you get started in sim racing? And then from that, what inspired you to really sort of create the content? Because uh, if you haven't subscribed to his channel, his the link is in the description down below, along with Lawrence's social media uh, and the Potato Nation Discord as well, which we'll get onto in a little bit. Um, yeah, sort of what was the genesis uh, for you on that, Lawrence? So, yeah, my, my parents were never really into cars, and my dad drove a pretty normal car. I had this thing in my blood that I just, I, lo I loved cars. Uh, in later life, it kind of transpired that my father's father was also into cars, but I kind of, I, did, I never knew him at that age. Um, and I never really got any toys from him that were car related, So, but it was in my blood. Uh, I loved playing with cars. Uh, I loved scale electric. I loved uh, anything autumn, anything with wheels. Absolutely loved it. Um, I was fortunate enough to be born in an era where computer games started to become a thing. Now, my dad was an early adopter of uh, technology, used it for his work. Um, it just so happened then that he had these uh, these machines that you could um, 
play games on and you could buy magazines and it would be like a, a disc with a magazine or whatever and you could load that game on and sometimes there were racing games and they, they were often just demos um and i was just like i was absolutely hooked on it uh, when i say the 25 years that is 25 years with force feedback before that i think the first racing game that i ever played i think i was maybe five or six years old um and it was a game on a bbc master system um a game called e-type so that's kind of similar to an atari or a commodore 64 but it was just my dad had a bbc master system it had an easy mode and it had a hard mode there was no real difference between them except in the hard mode you had to do manual gears now you have to bear in mind you're using a keyboard so c was clutch you have to hold this hold c press the corresponding button to go up a gear let go of c and then press the accelerator again if you got that combination wrong it would penalize you your car would be slower and i thought to myself man it doesn't get any more realistic than this <laughs> and that's that was kind of i guess the first element of what what simulation could be uh i did you know all the console games uh um gran turismo ridge racer learned the fundamentals of everything that i know about racing from those titles uh, so i very much regard those as massive influence on my simulation journey it was in 1998 that i got a microsoft uh sidewinder force feedback steering wheel uh, again with the support of my dad because i was only about 13, 12 13 years of age so it didn't have the funds to buy one of these things mm -hmm. but um yeah you could hook it up to the computer and when you play it it would you would feel the forces through the steering wheel and it seemed too good to be true it was around the same time just to put it into perspective it was around the same time that dual shock first came out for playstation yeah so when i described it to my friends they were like we've got that on playstation i was like no no you don't i have a playstation too you don't understand if you hit a wall the steering wheel almost flies out of your hand and they were like, oh, yeah, it's just it's a rumble effect. Like, no, no, no. When you, when you go over the curbs, you can, you can feel what the car is doing. No, no, no. W when you go over a jump, your steering goes light. And then you, when you hit the ground again, you get a big jolt through your steering wheel. And you can feel the gravel. Like, oh, yeah, it's, it's just rumble effect. So trying to get that across was, was but it, it just showed that there was such, a, such a, a, an area of simulation that the world was completely alien to. And I, I loved it. Uh, so I went down that rabbit hole of simulation at the time i didn't have the money to invest in equipment or whatever so i just played whatever titles i could for as as much time as i could uh, so i had that steering wheel for like 15 years then got a logitech steering wheel and um it kind of went from there yeah i mean for, for those that have watched lawrence's channel it's very very informative very very well put together i have to say buddy um and of course you can see some of the products that he's he's actually tested in the background of where he is at the moment right now, including that wonderful uh, stick shift on the left-hand side from my perspective uh, with the silver cylinder and everything like that. Very much reminds me of uh, what you probably find in a Pagani Sonda these days with like literally brushed finish, exposed metal. Yeah. Um, can you tell us about your favorite sim racing setup and equipment and how they actually enhance your experience away from when you're doing the content creation where you're just getting behind the wheel going on and just deciding you know what i'm not going to stream i'm just going to have fun and just enjoy this what, what's yeah what's your go-to um i kind of 
even though my my whole content creation journey is is very much about the hardware um one thing that i've always tried to get across is that the hardware doesn't have a big impact on how quick you are it can have impacts on consistency um but at the end of the day if you can't enjoy yourself on a 500 euro setup you're not going to enjoy yourself on a half a million euro setup it's just not it's not possible if you can't enjoy the racing yeah the hardware isn't the problem there are other problems so i think you should only really invest in hardware when you are already enjoying the racing it's not going to make you fall in love with racing um the and and people think nostalgically about oh i had most fun when i had my little logitech wheel and i played such and such an arcade game and that's really when my that was the pinnacle of my sim racing experience it's like yeah because you were enjoying the thing that you were doing it's not necessarily the hardware as for a go-to setup i i'm i'm quite i'm I'm obviously super fortunate i've accessed to lots of lots of stuff um the harsh reality is that once you get to a certain level of hardware the differences are so minuscule it makes more of an impact how you feel about the looks of something makes more of an impact than the than the actual feel. Now, some things have better software, some things have better, you know, uh, feel, better build quality, or whatever, and they all play a factor in in your decisions. Um, but over the last at least three years, my rig rarely goes two weeks being the exact same layout because I'm constantly reviewing products. Um, so maybe it's just something that I've gotten used to that I don't have a go-to rig. Um, I would consider myself absolutely blessed and honored to use almost anything from any brand. Um, I, I really love what we have in sim racing. We need to accept the fact, we need to really be clear about the fact that people in real racing look at our equipment and say, oh, wouldn't mind that in my car. You know, that that's the... That's really where we're at. We're trying to simulate racing while race drivers are, you know, they've got grip tape around their steering wheel because the foam has let go. You know, and that's the reality of racing. You know, their, their pedals wobble all over the place. They're just things that are not that important because the car still works. Um, and it, it's more important to spend a little bit, bit of money having the fuel, having the tires or um, paying wages or whatever. So we're we're incredibly privileged. Uh, yeah. So long answer to a short question. Um, I am. I, I hold myself to the standard that if I can't enjoy the hardware that I'm using, I'm doing something wrong. It's actually pretty good and concise. Yes, lengthy answer, Lawrence. But you know what? It's it's fully justified. Now, the next question that I have is actually quite important when it comes to content creation because people like yourself, random, uh, our good friends, random call sign, gaming muscle, Jardier you'll get the opportunity to test a lot of new simulators that are coming out. Of course, EAWRC has just uh, hit. Uh, Rensport has also been a big talking point. But then also when it comes to the hardware, and there was a lot of the newer stuff on display with, say, our good friends at Fanatec with the new Clubsport DD, uh, Azatec with their their wonderful plethora of wheels, including you know like La Prima, which uh, I know you've, you've you've also had the opportunity to test. But then we saw new manufacturers coming onto the scene with Cons PXN. We had Coffee Racer with their coffee table style fold away sim rig, which was 
quite in, uh, ingenious, I have to say. But when companies approach you and say, look, we know, we know who you are. We know that you always give a honest and up-to-date opinion on products. How does the conversation go in a very shortened and condensed version? Because I would imagine that sometimes those conversations can run into lengthy descriptive emails where you've got, to, you, you've got things such as agreements between both parties, possibly an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, uh, that it can't go out before an embargo, before an embargo, because otherwise you're breaking said embargo. What's the sort of like the shortened version of a process as a content creator for, for getting your hands on the gear when the companies approach you? Yeah, it's 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 um, it's a funny one. Uh, I I'm I'm very so where it started, I I already had decent equipment. It was first master equipment at the time, and I started doing videos on it, and. I thought to myself, wouldn't it be so cool to do these videos and just make it seem, without saying this was sent to me by a company or without saying that I paid for it myself, wouldn't it be cool to see what happens when I'm, when I'm reviewing this hardware and when I borrow hardware from a friend and use it for a few weeks, let's see what happens. And then the first company started assuming that this was what was happening. So they were like, do you want our equipment? And um, then I, I kind of, I came up with a, an initial kind of terms of service, what, 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 what you can expect. Send me the product. Um, I always have to tell people that there's no guarantee that they'll even get a review. Part of the, because my, I'm a, I have a full-time job. I have a young family uh, and I have other hobbies outside of sim racing as well. So my time for me is very valuable. I don't want to spend time doing a video and point out potentially a flaw with a product which is going to be fixed within a week when I could have easily just engaged with that company, said, I think this is a problem. They would have said, oh yeah, no problem. We're going to fix that. They send me a new version. And that's, that's kind of how my, how my uh, reviews work. So there's, there's that initial conversation of this is what you can expect. Um, but there is no, as for contracts, I've never signed a contract to do a review. Um, I uh, try to, under promise and over deliver uh, the final review product that made them send the product to me in the first place that is already in itself an agreement that is like if you're go if you're going to get a review this is what you can expect i also uh, guarantee to them that i don't sell the hardware for personal profit so there's no incentive there's no incentive for me to just review expensive stuff as opposed to cheaper stuff. So that's kind of the rough conversation in general. Most of the time, especially with companies that I've already worked with, it's like, hey, we've got this new product. You can't talk about it until December 12th. Do you want it? And then I'll say, oh, yeah, send it over. If I have time to do a video, I will. And they'll say, great. Uh, and, and they might ask for my address if they don't already have it. So because you, and, and, and the, 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 the viewing world often says, often thinks that reviewers love to do this because they're getting free hardware. It's like, I don't, I don't need more hardware. I've got all the hardware that I want. And if I'm not selling it, you know, what, what is my incentive? And it, it comes to a point where, uh, yeah, you, you just, you don't need to, uh, you don't need to do, you don't need to approach companies, which is uh, to, to your question. Um, my cat is just uh, trying, wants to get in on the video. Um, you you don't need 
We've had it with Toby, our, our toy poodle here. He's actually made an appearance and started barking during one of the episodes. So any any canine or feline accompaniment in any episode of Commentator's Corner is absolutely fine by me. <laughs> this is Splat, who actually features heavily on my streams as well. I always have this chair in the background of my rig. And she, especially during the wintertime, she loves to sit there. The rig gets nice and warm. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's the general conversation uh, with the companies. Um, the, to get back to what, what I was saying about the, the the people watching the videos, they often think very short term because they're like maybe interested in buying a product. They see your video. They see that you have all this stuff and they say, oh, wouldn't it be nice to get all this free stuff? Um, the, yeah, the incentive isn't the free stuff, but also in the same way, the, um, the videos are a kind of a self-marketing thing. They're also... You know, people form an opinion of it. And if that thing is not good enough, people are not going to send you products. If that thing is not consistent with the user experience, yeah. so let's say you do a video, 100 people buy that product. All of them have a vastly different experience to the review that you put out. That makes no sense. You're not going to have any longevity in the whole content creation space. But as a viewer, it's very difficult to think about it long term like that. Uh, so if a viewer has, if, if a reviewer has credibility, it's generally because of you know uh, the the long term uh, graft that they've put in. Uh, but we occasionally do get stuff wrong, which is which is why you should always watch loads of people's reviews. It actually helps me if I put out a review on a new Fanatec product, and five other reviewers have put out their opinions as well it actually helps me because everybody who's watching their videos is also going to be suggested my video so we all content creators know this so we all kind of work together on this we're not in competition with one another uh, that really gives a, a real sense of the word community uh, and now we have to go on to uh the potato nation who have done great things i mean uh, there, there we go. Established back in 2020, and had the pleasure of meeting a lot of the a lot of the Potato Nation at the the Expo at Dortmund. Um, <clears throat> so the sim racing community we know can be quite a fickle thing, but the Potato Nation have sponsored six racing drivers this season, including a very good mutual friend, Chaos Cole. Um, I mean, that just goes to show the power of community, doesn't it? it, it there's some positivity amidst what we can sometimes find to be a very, very toxic and mental health impacting community, can't we? Yeah, it's it's been wild because like even this time last year, if you had told me we were sponsoring, you know, sponsoring, if you told me we were sponsoring six race cars, I would have told you you were off your head because it's not something that sim racing, um, sim racing communities do. And we we hang out in Discord a lot. Even right now, there are you know probably at least three, could be up to ten people hanging out, just chatting, and we talk about a lot of stuff. And one of the recurring topics over the last probably four years in sim racing has always been this notion of getting a sim racer into a real car. But as time goes on, and as we've thought about it, what we really want is to have an impact on real racing. That's really what we want because most of us don't have the talent. Most of us don't have the money. We have money. We can afford nice things, but we may not have enough money to you know, 
from the race car. We don't have the contact because most of those race car, those people who are involved in racing, you know, they've got a family member who's a mechanic. They've got, you know, a, a business that they can expense parts through. You know, they've got all these, all these things, uh, almost, uh, they've got all this privilege in their life that predisposes them to becoming a race car driver. A, you know, nerdy software developer who lives in a city doesn't have access to a lot of those things. That doesn't mean that you can't eventually drive a race car, of course, but the amount of people who actually end up driving a race cars is, is so much less than the amount of people who work on race cars and is so much less than the amount of people who play some, some other factor in the whole racing. Um, so that, again, is where community really comes into it, is how, how can you have an impact? And yeah, our, our community decided to, uh, um, I, I guess it relates to the previous question as well with the hardware. I have, you know, storage issues with the hardware. Um, and it's very easy for people to say, oh, if you've got storage issues with the hardware, just send me the hardware. But it doesn't really have much value if I send somebody a piece of hardware. It's, it's kind of like throwing it in the bin, really, because it, that's its end of life. So for us, the amazing concept, and again, the community comes back into it because I, I don't, as a, as a brand, as a channel, my channel is called Lawrence Dusasva. Pareto Nation is its own thing. It's a community. And when my channel disappears, Pareto Nation will still be there. That is a harsh reality that I learned very, very early on. Most of the people are there for each other and not for me. And isn't that amazing? That's, that's really cool. So how can I help this? How can I contribute to this? sense of community well i have all this super valuable stuff i could give it to random community members but there are going to be people who miss out right so the equipment all has like a lot of value how can i actually make that value scale and from our endless late night conversations in the discord we thought to ourselves why don't we give this hardware to real race car drivers rather than like you know we we could we could raffle it off and we could you know, give the money to the drivers, but they're going to spend it on fuel and tires. And that's a great impact to have on real racing. Yeah. And it has a huge amount of merit. But especially at the grassroots, people aren't spending a thousand euro on a set of pedals. If they have a thousand euro, they're going to buy a 300 euro set of pedals because it's good enough. And they're going to spend the other 700 on flights or transport or accommodation or you know fuel tires yeah. all these little things new new little parts for the car if we can give them state-of-the-art equipment that by its very definition claims to be a driving simulation tool so a training tool and we can so i can through my brand just give it to the community that's effectively what i'm doing the potato nation owns all this hardware I don't own it. I don't sell it. It's I don't want to financially benefit from it because if I make a couple of hundred euro off a review, that's not how I want to do it. If people watch the review, that's great. If people want to donate to the channel, that's great. But the 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 hardware itself is just a tool for the job. Once I'm done with it, it sits on a shelf. And that is a that is a harsh reality of a thousand euro, like that's a you know, a fifteen hundred euro gearbox. That's would just sit on the shelf um, because I'm constantly re reviewing new things. So I give it to the community. The community gives it to a race car driver. That race car driver can use it for their training. If they ever want to get rid of it, we see, can somebody else use it? 
Um, if they really, you know, if they need a new engine and they need to sell it, okay, go on, sell it, go for it. Uh, we we want to help whatever way we can. But that set of pedals or steering steering wheel or whatever is a driving tool that has a direct impact, not just next weekend, not just the weekend after, but potentially forevermore. And that's why we were so eager to help Kales Cole. She was the first one that we uh, that we helped. She doesn't have a sophisticated simulator setup. Yeah. So. The thoughts for us that you know we can we can help her to train because we're all quite competitive. We can help her on track. We can also help her with the hardware so that she doesn't have to worry about spending money on that. And we can make somebody who happens to be very good at what she does even better. And that's super exciting. That to me is probably more exciting than getting behind the wheel of a real race car myself. Yeah, I mean, like like you say, having storage issues comes to being part and parcel of. Uh you know, sim racing content creator. And yeah, it, it is quite astounding. Like people say to me, Alex, why don't you have a sim at home? Well, I don't have a room. You know, I share this office with my brother-in-law and it's, you know, we all have our different kind of situations. Um, but apart from the hardware side, what are the most challenging aspects for creating sim racing content for yourself? And how do you overcome them? Because obviously it's not just product reviews, it's not just software reviews, it's not just new games that are coming out. Um, but then there's other things such as streaming on, on YouTube or Twitch, you know. What are those most challenging aspects? Because as you say, your time is very, very finite being a, a software engineer by trade, having a young family. There's a lot that you've got to sort of take into consideration when you try and orchestrate, whether it's a video or whether it's a live stream, you know, what are the most challenging aspects for you personally, apart from the time constraint? Yeah, the the whole thing was um, w- was started from a an internal curiosity that um, I had a big interest in how the YouTube algorithm worked, and I really i i wanted I wanted Google to pay me a euro. That was it, and I looked around me at the things that were most accessible to me how could i do that and one of them was sim racing so um i very much built the channel about the around the things that i was already doing and that's a piece of advice in in my discord we have a mentor circle where people who are looking to create content we try to kind of nurture that content and a lot of successful content creators are also very involved in my discord so they're very great they're great for giving advice and stuff um one of my main pieces of advice is to do the things that you would be doing even if the camera was off. Now, obviously, I wouldn't be, you know, reviewing the hardware and going to that extent if the camera was off, but I have to allow myself to enjoy sim racing. So every Tuesday and every Thursday, that's when I do my sim racing. That's when I have done for the last seven years and maybe eight years at this stage. Um, that now is the time that I stream. Because I'm doing that anyway, I turn on the camera. So that aspect of other than having to manage the technical difficulties of a stream, there aren't many challenges there. And if the equipment doesn't work on the night, I just go and do the race anyway. I just put a message out on my Discord saying there won't be a stream, couldn't get it to work, and I'm going. So they appreciate the fact that, well, at least he's racing. He's one of us. You know, we all have we we all have these difficulties. Um I obviously you have to you have to come up with ways to to deal with those. My hardware 
reviews tend to take quite some time because there are always things that get in the way. Making time is very, very difficult. The whole structure of my videos, I usually do an initial, like a first impressions review, uh, where it's basically a day one review. So I take it out of the box, talk about the product, put it on my rig, try it out for the first time, and encourage people to give me, you know, what do you want to know about this product in the full review? And the full review can be weeks out, can even be months out in in, uh, some areas. the reason that works very well for me is because, well, the, you get it, you get relatively easy day one content out there. People get 70 or 80% of what they want to know anyway, because your first impressions are usually quite good. Um, it doesn't involve, you know, tweaking things, changing elastomers or uh, messing with force feedback settings or whatever, but it, it allows uh, that initial the initial video gets out there. The company usually is already happy with that initial video. So that's all, that's all by design. It's to try and uh, mitigate the problems that you're, uh, that you're speaking of. Um, I've snookered myself in some ways, as in I take my hardware outside and film it outside for all my long-term hardware reviews. I also live in Ireland where the weather is a major factor in that. So the stars really need to align. And when I go out in public and I do my filming, I often take five or six products. It's not just one product once a week. It's often five or six products uh, once a month. Uh, so there are lots of lots of those challenges. Obviously, with the with the kids and uh, with my my job, it is just finding that time. But once you create a quality product that is recorded and edited well, it scales really well because even throughout the night, there are hundreds of people watching my videos. At that moment in time, they think I'm working. When I'm not, I'm you know I'm I'm sitting in bed with a cup of tea or I'm I'm asleep. I often go a full month without releasing any content. That's fine. Nobody really notices because the videos are there. Um, if anything, it's actually surprisingly played into my favor because I only stream three hours total a week, and for to be relatively successful in the streaming side of sim racing, it's a little bit of an alien concept because. The, I always thought you need to be streaming all day to try and attract an audience. and yeah. um, But really what it's all about is that consistency. So sometimes, you know, if I have, uh, if something's happening on a, on a, a school night uh, in a couple of months' time, I do check, is it a Tuesday or a Thursday, or could I, can I do something else here? Um, you know, can I, can I arrange it differently? Because the, the priority to race, first and foremost, is very important to me. But also, I have a limited amount of hours that I stream, but I, I take that consistency and that commitment quite seriously because there are people who, the same way you would watch a TV show that comes out weekly or, or twice a week, and there are people who are waiting for the stream to start uh, because they enjoy hanging out with me and the people who watch it. So there are lots of external factors that can play into it. Ultimately, I try not to let it rule my life, um, and I try to... Uh, yeah, just just have fun with it. If I'm not having fun, there's no way I can expect people who watch my videos to have fun. Um, so doing a video against my will never works. I've tried it. It's like when 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 you're you know for the last couple of, last couple of years, both at Nurburgring and Dortmund, that you're streaming on Twitch and you're talking to people. I doorstep, funnily enough, Lawrence in 2022, right by the ADAC stand, and then 
Um, he got me back by papping me whilst I was on the commentator box. And then the following year, um, you know, it's quite good because we uh, there was there's been a running gag for quite a few times, and especially with Dortmund this year, with the VIP lanyards, as in not very important person, but very important potato. And that was, uh, I, I think that that just goes to show that the camaraderie and obviously ev- uh, everyone that was at Strobel's, I think yourself included, was watching the rugby between Ireland and, and New Zealand. And I, what, I did talk about it in my vlog that uh, I, I've, I think Jack Canaan had a fit. Uh, I've got uh, Kevin Galvin coming on the show as well. Uh, actually, he's our next guest. Uh, and great to catch up with, with those guys in person. But it, it was just so nice that this yearly gathering that we have at the Sim Racing Expo, and it's going to be at Dortmund until 2027 at least, it's great for, I think, the, the community. Of course, we know that there are toxic members within the community who are keyboard warriors who give their two cents without really, really sort of looking at the whole big picture. Um, but Saturday, the, the people really voted with their feet, didn't they, at Dortmund? Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I think I, I think you're going to get uh, toxicity in in any um, communities or any anywhere where there are people involved. Um, and it's you know it it all depends on the context. I always compare it to the uh, the neighbour that you don't speak to. If you meet them at an airport in Bangkok, you're like, hey, how's it going? How are you? You know, it's it's a completely different context. All of a sudden, you're on their side. So sim racers we gather at a sim racing expo and we're like yeah this is great isn't sim racing amazing and then someone says oh they're using iRacing they're using the superior sim and someone you know there's always there's always that opportunity for um for conflict um and and for people to say because we're we're chasing this realism but a lot of people we, we don't really know what we're what we're chasing either um and people confuse fun with realism and vice versa um ultimately we're driving pretend race cars from our house uh you know we, we can't take ourselves too seriously um and so yeah you're going to get the toxicity but i i try to clamp down on it i try to be super inclusive with arcade titles and i learned as i said i learned most of what i know from driving and i'm a handy driver i'm not amazing but i learned most of it from like gran turismo licensed uh tests and stuff uh, so yeah, there's always going to be that, but community super, super important. I didn't expect the potato nation to be there mm-hmm. until a couple of weeks before it. Um, they, they talked about it. It's like, Oh, will we go to the expo and, um, people traveled from Canada, USA, people traveled from all over Europe, UK, Ireland. Um, there were like 18 people, um, uh, you know, all wearing t-shirts like this, um, uh, with their, you know, customized lanyards. I didn't organize any of that. I didn't make the t-shirts. They designed them. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, the, the Potato Nation is its own brand. And I think that is a super, super important thing. It's its own, it has its own life and it will continue to do so. If and when I eventually decide to stop making content, I want the community to firstly say, oh, Lawrence, we're going to miss you. And secondly, can we get the password for the Discord? That's what I want them to say. Because that that's that's the natural order. I recently, and it's a subtle thing, right? My Discord used to be called Lawrence Disaster Community, and then Potato Nation in brackets after it. It's now called Potato Nation, and then in brackets Lawrence Disaster Community. It's a subtlety, but 
it really is Potato Nation. There are people in there who spend, not even joking, probably six, seven hours a day in voice chat, just in voice chat. And those, a lot of those people don't even watch my videos. They're conscious of what's happening. And if there's someone talking about the video, they'll go and watch it. They're not there for my videos. And I love that. Because that means when my videos, when I do go a month without creating a video, they don't even notice. And they're still flying the flag for everything that I stand for. Yeah, I mean, it was when I first jumped into that video call that we did uh, just before Christmas last year, didn't we? And then seeing pretty much everybody that I'd caught up with in that call at the expo, yeah. and I was just, it really gave you that sense of togetherness and solidarity. And and the thing is, folks, what do you got to understand from the sim racing community? Not just from my role within the community as a play-by-play commentator or a co-commentator on a stream or a host or whatever, we are still individuals. And at the end of the day, by having that camaraderie and we were all talking like Bezzy mates, and, and that's how it feels because you and I both know, Lawrence, it's one thing to be on the other side of a Discord call, but then when you're meeting up and it's like everyone's talking over each other even more than they were in the Discord server. So it really gives that, that sense of family. That's how I look at it. And we're all individuals. We all love the sim racing community for, for being a part of it and also through the characters and the individuals that you meet over the years. Yeah, I, I have two points to make about that. I, I Firstly, yeah, I, I've, I speak to those guys a lot in Discord and they don't always have their cameras on and a couple of them I'd never seen what they look like. So sitting, with, sitting down with them for lunch uh, seemed like one of those videos for the metaverse where people are a different character and you just hear their voice, but they're actually just a giant bear. You know, uh, it, it was it was that surreal, um, and that wasn't the that wasn't the craziest part. The craziest part was watching people who had met a couple of hours ago for the first time ever in real life, watching them like embrace each other, and I I mean like physically, like hang off each other, like best mates from school people who I, I, you can't forget that these people are spending hours of every single day together they know each other very very well so the opportunity to have those hugs to have those chats to look each other dead in the eye and tell each other you know you mean something to me something that we're you know obviously uh, mental health is a, a huge um, topic and it's something that's very very close to my heart as well but for me, the realization when I see that in such a macho environment, right? They're, you know, Ace Tech are starting up their engine and revving it. And meanwhile, there are two, two guys with tears in their eyes hugging because they're so happy to be alive and here. And the only reason that they met in the first place was through my content. They may never have bought anything that I reviewed. They may never have, they may not even have watched the live stream. Doesn't really matter. You know, when you get to that point and you see that there are life-changing friendships uh, and when you see these people meeting up with each other outside of sim racing context and like getting on airplanes to meet each other, um, it is phenomenal to be able to have that type of an impact. My goal originally was to help people enjoy sim racing. I didn't realize that I would help people enjoy life. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to call it time there because this has been an absolutely fantastic conversation and I'm actually going to use something that Lawrence posted in response to good old Jimmer, Jimmy Broadbent. Living in the past causes depression. 
living in the future causes anxiety. Living in the now will bring you happiness. Lawrence, thank you so much for coming on for episode 30 of Commentator's Corner. Anyone you want to give a shout out to before I let you go? I've, I've already talked about the Potato Nation so much, so uh, for, forget about them. Um, <laughs> I, I do want to I, I want to give a, a big shout out to our uh, our drivers. Um, so our six drivers, it's getting hard to list them off now. Uh, so we've got uh, Kales Cole, who races F1000. Uh, we've got uh, Rob Parks. Uh, we've got uh, Jordan Kelly and Jason Smith, uh, who all race uh, Formula Ford 1600s. Uh, we've got Ronan Doherty, who races... Uh, in uh, Formula Vs, and we've got Ian Stryker, who races Irish touring cars. Uh, there are six cars right now. Uh, everyone is doing an amazing job. They were chosen because they are part of the community. They already race with me on my in my league races, uh, or I know them in some way in real life, either directly or indirectly. So they were strategically chosen. I never expected them to also be achieving silverware uh, i think we're up to even in the last three months i think we're at four major trophies now as in winning trophies not just podiums um major trophies like championships and one-off big events so it is crazy to be lucky enough to be associated with those people for those people to want this brand on their car is nuts uh, if any race car drivers are watching this and they want this sticker i can't give sponsorship to absolutely everybody but it would be an absolute honor and a privilege to have the sticker on your car uh, and even more so if you become involved in our community and uh, so yeah community that's that's my final thought brilliant a big thank you to lawrence for jumping on for episode number 30 of commentators corner don't forget you can either watch this back in its entirety here on youtube uh i'm not one for saying please like share and subscribe i'll leave that down to you people out there to do so but if you are listening in your car on either google oh well i think it, yeah google podcast which is soon to become youtube podcast very very shortly uh, amazon music spotify and of course apple podcasts and Downforce Radio, the nation's motorsport station. Stay tuned for more exciting guests here on Commentator's Corner with me, Alex Goldschmidt. A big thank you to Lawrence. Big thank you to all for your support. We'll see you again soon. Thanks again for tuning in. Goodbye.